This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, student minister Aaron Adams will be teaching the message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Aaron Adams. I'm student minister here at Mount Carmel. Uh, But I have to admit, this is a pretty special Sunday for me because, you know, this year has been pretty weird, right? Um, So, I don't know, the last however many times that I've been asked to preach, it's just been me, myself, and I and a camera, and it's just not as as cool. So, this is uh, best of both worlds because you are here in the room, and those of you that are watching online, we love you guys. So, this is awesome. So, this is good. Um, Now, I gotta admit, we're just going to jump right into it this morning. We're gonna jump in with both feet. And I'm gonna ask you a question. And this is a question that I know you have talked about. It's a question that I believe you've probably discussed with your family and your friends and your loved ones many times. It's probably a question that you have uh, talked about around the dinner table at Thanksgiving when the crazy aunt and uncle come over. Uh, And who knows, maybe this question has even gotten heated at some point. You ready? I need need legit answers here, okay? Church, Skyline or Gold Star? Skyline? Ooh, whoa. That felt really weird, okay? So for those of you that watched at home, it felt like way Skyline over here, and then there was like, I don't know if it's a family, but it was like Gold Star over here. So it it was awesome. So... Okay, here, so here's, here's what it is for me, all right? So I have had Skyline hundreds, if not thousands of times in my life, okay? Gold Star, on the other hand, maybe twice. Why? I have no idea, okay? So this is a, this is a big deal. And I, I think it's because growing up, I was always just told Skyline or die. Like Skyline is life is what I've always just felt like. In high school, I remember having this conversation with my friends, and it was like, Skyline's always better. So I just roll with it. Friday night football games, after the football games, after basketball games, Skyline is where we would go. So it was always Skyline. But we draw our lines in the sand. Like, this is a big deal. For some of us, we're very passionate about our Cincinnati Chili. We're just passionate about Skyline or Gold Star. For some of us, you're like, I've never had to think this hard about whether I cared more for Skyline or Gold Star. And if you're not from the Cincinnati area or you're watching online and you're not from Cincinnati, you're like, why would I even care this much about this? But we draw our lines in the sand about a lot of things. And I have a friend um, and his family would be, they'd be Skyline type people. They would be that kind of person, that family, when they would walk into their local Skyline, the waiters and the waitresses, they would know their name, they would know their order. It was that kind of first name basis. They were family there. Now, my friend, he would go to Skyline with his family. It was no big deal. I think he probably enjoyed it uh, at least a little bit. But when he was not with his family, he was gold star all the way. And his family didn't know. I'm not sure they still know. And so I'm not going to name my friend. Because, you know, as the old saying goes, snitches get stitches. And I I am not about that life. But we draw our lines in the sand about stuff. We draw our lines in the sand about our convictions. We draw our lines in the sand about the things that we are passionate about. We draw our lines in the sand about how we raise our families. We draw our lines in the sand when it comes to our politics. 
We draw lines in the sand when it comes to race, when it comes to religion, when it comes to so much more. Now, what we're talking about this morning goes far beyond Skyline or Gold Star. What we're talking about this morning is far more reaching, has a far greater impact than Cincinnati Chile. What we're talking about this morning are our lines in the sand. If you want to take it a step further, what we're talking about this morning is biases. In other words, what we're talking about this morning is our built-in prejudices. And it's an uncomfortable conversation. Like, it's an awkward conversation because it causes us to have to look in the mirror. It causes us to have to look in the mirror individually on our own experiences and how we react to certain situations, how we react and treat certain people. It, it causes us to have to look in the mirror when it comes to us as a church, as a church body. It causes us to have to look in the mirror when it comes to the Christian faith and how do Christians treat our communities and the world around us. And it's hard because as a, as a Christian man, and for you as Christian men and women, it's hard to think, do I really have biases in my life? Do I actually have prejudices in my life? And it's uncomfortable. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And this is why it's so important for us to not gloss over. Because what we're talking about this morning is where do biases and prejudice intersect with our faith? Where do biases and prejudices intersect with our God? And unfortunately, this is not just a now issue. This is not just an American issue. This has been an issue since sin entered the world. This is a people problem. And we have natural biases and built-in prejudices. And sometimes that gets in the way, oftentimes that gets in the way of the mission of God. So we've been in a series called Brave, and we've been in, in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really when we begin to see the church, a group of believers, Christ followers, begin to take their first steps. Those that are charged with preaching and teaching and sharing the good news of Jesus are just beginning to really take their first steps. And there were many highs and many lows, many ups and many downs, and there was a lot to learn. And so in Acts chapter 10, which we're going to be this morning, in Acts chapter 10, we have a guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He was a Roman officer in the very large, uh, very powerful, often hated Roman military. Now, Cornelius is described as a God-fearing man. He was described as being devout in his faith, which meant he took it serious. It, was, it meant something to him. Cornelius is described as a person that uh, was a good man, did, uh, did good, tried to do good for those around him, his family, uh, the soldiers in his charge, uh, and just uh, the community in general. Now, this is what's very important is Cornelius is a Gentile, which means he's a non-Jew, did not practice the Jewish religion, did not practice the Jewish customs. And then the other guy we have is a guy named Simon, also known as Peter. Simon Peter is an apostle, and he's been charged with helping start the church to preach and to teach and to lead, to share the gospel, to share the good news about Jesus. And Simon Peter is a Jew. And so right there, we have some immediate tensions. 
And so Acts chapter 10 starts with Cornelius, this devout, this God-fearing Roman military officer, and he has this vision. And it's a vision, and this angel appears to him, and this is frightening to Cornelius. Now, I don't know if Cornelius has had other experiences at some point with visions and with um, God speaking to him or angels speaking to him. But I'd have to assume that because he is frightened at this time, it wasn't something that happened very often. And this angel appears to Cornelius and communicates to him, hey, Cornelius, God has heard you and God has seen you. Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and he has also seen the the good works, the good things that you're doing in the community. And so this angel instructs Cornelius, hey, there's a man named Simon Peter and uh, he's in a town called Joppa, and here's where you can find him. Stand at another guy's uh, house, and that guy's name is Simon, and he's a tanner. And that's all that he's really given. I don't know if Cornelius has really heard of Peter before. I doubt they've had much interaction up to this point, but he's told, go retrieve him. Go get him. And so Cornelius grabs a couple of his, his servants. Now, it's safe for us to assume, since Cornelius was God-fearing and devout, that his family would be too. And these servants that Cornelius had chosen would very much be a part of his family. They may not have been a part of his family when it comes to bloodline, but they were a part of his family in the way that he treated them. And he grabs a devout soldier of his, somebody that would have thought uh, and lived his life in a similar way that Cornelius would. And he says, hey, you've got to go find Simon Peter, and here's how you find him. That's all we have. And we pick up in verse 9 of chapter 10, and I want to read that with you, and you can follow along on the screens. And this is what it says. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down on earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So this is a line in the sand moment for Peter. Okay, so he heads up to the roof to pray. That would have been a normal kind of probably daily routine for him. He's staying at a place uh, called Simon's, his friend Simon's house. Simon was a tanner, meaning he would have processed animals and he would have been tanning the hides. Not a glamorous job. It often would have smelled. So those uh, servants and the soldiers sent by Cornelius, they just needed to follow their noses. It wouldn't have been hard for them to find it. But Peter heads up to the roof to pray, and often on that roof would have been some sort of overhang, some shade, and this is by the sea, and so you can think, nice sunny day, he's under the shade, you've got the breeze coming from the sea, it just sounds awesome. Sounds like a great place to spend some time praying. Peter's hungry, lunch is being prepared, and he goes into this this trance. And similar to Cornelius, Peter has this vision. And this vision is described to us as a, a sheet being let down by four sides. And on this sheet contain all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, birds, and the like. 
And a voice says to Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter's thinking, well, maybe I'm, am I just like hungry? But I'm not, we don't eat those things. See, in the Jewish culture, you didn't just eat any animal. There were certain animals that were deemed unclean and impure, and you did not eat them. That was part of your Jewish religious law. And so Peter has this voice that says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And so Peter's like, is this a trick? Certainly not. I would never do that. Lord, I've never eaten anything impure. I've never eaten anything unclean, and I don't plan to start now. And then he hears the voice of God a second time. It says, Peter, don't make anything unclean that I have made clean. See, there's a line in the sand moment for Peter. His Jewish customs, his Jewish religious law said, you stand here. He could literally take his religious law and put it down on that line and say, that's why I stand over here. This is why I believe what I believe. Peter has always grown up learning this since he was young. He would have taught this. And so this idea that you're saying, I can eat that? You're saying, don't make anything unclean that you've made pure? That would, have, that would have brought some questions. And I'm sure Peter was perplexed. I'm sure he had questions. But the conversation kind of ends there. See, God has already gone before Cornelius and Peter to begin working what was going to happen next. Now remember, Cornelius has sent his two servants and that soldier, and they have now arrived in Joppa. And they arrive at the gates, and they're probably like, hey, uh, is there a guy named uh, Simon, also known as Peter? Is he, is, he, is he here? Anybody know him? And Peter, being on the roof, probably heard this, may have been concerned, but the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, don't be alarmed. I've sent some men. They're, they're here. Don't be alarmed. Don't hesitate to go with them. And so Peter comes down from the roof, meets these, these men that Cornelius has sent to, them, to him, and he invites them in. Remember, they don't exactly know what's going on yet. Cornelius doesn't know why he's supposed to retrieve Peter, and Peter does not understand why they are here. Cornelius has had a vision where an angel appeared to him, and Peter's had a vision where God has spoke to him and kind of said, Peter, it's not you that gets to draw the lines in the sand, it's me. But he's got questions. And he may be unsure at this point what that means. But Peter invites them in, and they kind of, over the next couple verses, describe, hey, we're from a guy named Cornelius, and he had this vision, and we've been told to come retrieve you and come back to Caesarea. Um, and so they do. And so for us, it's, you know, think, well, we'll just get in a car, get in a plane. But for them, the travel was involved. And we pick up in uh, chapter, or chapter 10, verse 24, and it says this. Follow along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. 
While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. All right, so Cornelius knows Peter's on his way. I don't know exactly what God wants, but I know that Peter is an apostle, and he's going to have some knowledge. He's going to have some experiences that I don't have, but I need. And so he calls around his friends and family because he wants them to be a part of what's going to happen next. What happens next, he's probably not sure, but he wants them to be there. And so he calls them together. Peter's been on his journey with Cornelius' servants and soldiers and a few other followers who probably would have been Jewish. And they arrive. And Cornelius greets Peter by falling to his knees in reverence. And Peter could have taken this as a perfect opportunity to be like, look, I have a Roman military official and an officer kneeling at my feet. Let me take this as an opportunity. Go ahead and kiss my hand. But he doesn't. See, Cornelius and Peter have every reason to not like each other. They have every reason except for one to view each other as enemies. See, Cornelius is a Roman military officer, meaning he most likely would have been on the more well-educated, well-traveled side of things. And Peter, an apostle, most likely would have been on the lesser-educated, lesser-traveled side. So why would Cornelius have any desire to actually listen to Peter, a Jew? And Peter recognizes the line in the sand. We're not even supposed to associate. I'm not supposed to be in the same room as you. You are a Gentile. See, Jews looked at Gentiles, non-Jews, guys, uh, like, we would be considered Gentiles. Like, this is a story about us as unclean. Non-Jews, those that are Gentiles, didn't follow the same Jewish customs, the same Jewish laws. And so Peter, right then and there, recognizes the line in the sand and says, you do know that we're not even supposed to be in the same room. But Peter also recognizes that God has removed that line in the sand. That wall that had been there between him And somebody who did not believe the same things or practice the same customs as him has been knocked down by God. So he's now faced with a very critical decision to make. Am I going to stand firmly planted where I'm at now with my feet in the sand because it's always been this way? I've always been told this. I've always been taught this. I have taught this myself. Or am I going to take a step forward because God has removed something. He's removed a barrier between me and somebody else. He's removed a barrier, a wall, a line in the sand between me and another human being. And so what happens? Peter in a room, Jews and Gentiles together, strange occurrence for this time, begins preaching and he begins teaching, 
And it begins talking about forgiveness. And it begins talking about this relationship that you can have with Jesus. This is something that did not happen before this time. Like, this is a monumental moment. Like, for us, we can read it, and it's easy to just glance over. But this is a huge moment in history. And Peter is preaching to somebody that he would have never thought to preach to before. Because it was a foreign for a Jew to think that a Gentile could come to salvation without first walking through the doors of Judaism. If a Gentile, a non-Jew, wanted to have salvation, well, here's the Jewish law, here's the Jewish customs, and here's what you need to do. Sign here. But he preaches, and he teaches, and what happens? The Holy Spirit fills that room. In an amazing way, the same way that the Holy Spirit came down to the Jews on Pentecost a few chapters earlier, just filled that room. And for the Jews in that room, those that followed Peter, and maybe even for Peter himself, this was amazing, this was astonishing, this was something that you never dreamed would happen in their lifetime. Like, this is crazy for them. The line in the sand was there. The decision to make was there. Am I going to stay here because it's always been this way? I've always been told this. Or am I going to move forward? Thankfully for us, Peter said, I'm going to step forward in my faith. Because God has told me not to look at anyone as unclean when he's made them clean. See, Gentiles were viewed as unclean. I think we do this. I think we do this in our life as well. I think we have our lines in the sand. I think we have our built-in prejudices. I think we have our built-in biases. And sometimes we are blind to those. And I would bet that Peter himself would have not viewed his stance, a Jew separating himself from a Gentile, as prejudice. Remember, he could literally take his religious book and set it on that line and say, that's why I'm here. But God said, no, 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 I'm removing it. And I think that happens to us. We have biases and prejudice in our life that we're blind to. And what we have to do, we have to actually ask God to begin rooting out those biases and those prejudices. And then we're going to be faced with a decision to make. Am I going to stand where I'm standing? Because it's always been this way. I've been brought up this way. Or am I going to step forward? See, if we stand still, we're going to be ineffective. We're going to be ineffective Christians. Because our number one call as Christians is to love God to love people, and to share the good news. But if our line in the sand builds a wall between us and others, then we're doing it wrong. If our biases and our prejudices build a wall to where we look at other people as anything as less than a child of the King of Kings, then we're doing it wrong. If our line in the sand, our walls that we build up Keep us from viewing somebody else as a child of God 
and their salvation doesn't begin to rise to the top for us, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their race, their nationality, their religion, their experiences, their background, if our care for their salvation does not begin to rise to the top, then we're doing it wrong. And that's what God was teaching Peter in this moment. There's something so much bigger to be had than what you're seeing right now. This prejudice you have against Cornelius is hindering his relationship with me. Peter, you have some knowledge that the world needs to know, that Cornelius needs to know. So it's removed. Step forward. And we have that same decision to make today. In our own lives, our own personal lives, and our own personal experiences, I don't have to tell you that right now is a very tense time in our nation, politically, racially, and the like. We have decisions to make. We have conversations that we need to have with family, with friends, and most importantly, with God. See, too often I think we put people in a box and we assume something about them based on their political stance. We put Democrats in a box and we assume something about them because they call themselves a Democrat. We put Republicans in a box and we assume something about them because they may affiliate with a Republican party. We put races in a box, white, black, Latino, and so on, and we assume something about them based on the color of their skin. We put religions in a box, and we assume something about them based on our experiences or what we've been told about them. And God's not a God of putting people in boxes. Our God is a God of viewing people as they are, his children. And so our challenge is to step forward. And so I go back to the story of Cornelius and Peter. And that amazing moment where the Holy Spirit just fills that room. It comes on them. And I'd wonder, it may not have been that day, but at some point, that group of people, they took communion together. And what a celebration that would have been. Can you imagine that? Like, there's been a gap, and now there's a bridge. And everybody in that room recognizes it. And they they celebrate in communion. So I'd love for you to take out your communion. I'd love to share communion with you. Because what communion is, it's, it's a celebration of the goodness of God. It's a celebration that our God is a God who wipes away lines in the sand and tears down walls so that we can have a relationship with him. So if you're ready, you got that, that piece of whatever it is, bread out, Let's, let's celebrate together the goodness of God. 
Because on that cross, Jesus broke his body for, for you and for me, and for all races, for all political parties, for everyone in this world. Take and eat. This juice represents the blood of Jesus that he poured out for us so that we could move forward, so that we can have the chance to be brave and step up, take and drink. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you. for this church, for the people in this room, for those watching at home. I thank you for tough challenges and uncomfortable conversations. God, I pray uh, for our hearts that you root out biases and prejudices that we have against our fellow human beings. And we don't allow that to create barriers between us and them and you and them. God, I pray that... uh, you'll stir up in our hearts the ability to step forward in bravery and in faith. We love you, Lord. Should never pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a fantastic Sunday. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.